So good afternoon, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Nurse Bamidele, and we're going to be talking about how FGM affects us. Unhealthy hearts, you know, we are always interested in experiencing sexual, emotional, and mental wellness, and how these things all affect our relationships. So today, she's going to be bringing on how FGM actually does affect our life. And I dare to say that FGM affects a woman way beyond just sex. So Nurse Bamidele, can you please tell us about yourself like let these people know how qualified you are to be doing this this afternoon okay good afternoon everyone yeah my name is bamidele victoria i'm a nurse um i live in quara state and i've been working with quara state government for five years now yeah as a nurse in a government-owned hospital and i also own an ngo which has a focus on child abuse. Majorly, um, let me say our vision is narrowed down to sexual abuse and um, girl-child violation of any form. So I'm sure that's why um, Lisa found me worthy to talk about this interesting topic. Thank you. Aha, found you worthy. I think you've always, always been worthy. So today we're looking at how FGM tampers with your relationship. But before we go into all the detail, first of um, Norris, what is FGM? Like, what is FGM? Can be defined. FGM is just uh, the short form of female genital mutilation. And it's commonly, well, commonly called female circumcision. But I think... Our locality here, when we call it female circumcision, then people feel like they understand what we're talking about. But um, WHO feels that calling it female circumcision is liking it to the male circumcision, which will give it a wrong meaning. So female genital mutilation means any practice that tampers with the female genital organ without a medical reason or medical implication, or let me say health benefits or significance. So that is the simplest form of explaining female genital mutilation. So so many people don't see it as a violation yet. And I think that's the more reason we need to create more awareness about FGM. A woman goes to the hospital and it's a doctor that does the cutting off of anything within her genitals or the stitching or tampering of anything in her genitals that does not have a medical significance or benefit. It therefore becomes FGM. Yeah. Okay. You made mention of WHO. So let me let me touch on their resource materials a bit. Some of WHO resource materials tell us about types of female genital mutilations. Can you please like talk about them? I believe there are about four types. And some of them have like A, B, and some of them have A, B, C. What are the types of female genital mutilations? Okay, so um, WHO has grouped female genital mutilation to about four types. And um, these four types are based on the practice. So we have type 1, type 2, then type 3, and type 4. So type 1, I might not want to bore us with medical terminologies, but I might also not have a choice than to mention some, so I'll break it down. So it's called clitoridectomy. So whenever we see anything dectomy, that means removal. That's type one now. It's simply either partial or total removal of the clitoris. I'm sure uh, we all have the knowledge of what the clitoris is. Clitoris is the most sensitive part of the female genital. 
So that is the first type, total or partial removal of the clitoris. So some people actually removes the clitoris for reasons um, that the feel is important, but we feel it is irrelevant and it's more like an abuse to the girl child. So type two is um, called excision. So it means um, partial or total removal of the clitoris and the labia minorum. I wish we could have a diagrammatic um, illustration, but unfortunately, we, we can't actually do that online. Oh, we can provide so that. So two years ago, we did a diagrammatic representation of some of them. So what we'll do is we'll add them to the podcast links when we're uploading it. Okay, then. So that will label what I mean by the labia um, minora, the labia majora, then the clitoris. Those are the three major things. Then the vaginal orifice, of course, yes. Those are the three major things that um, FGM centers on. So that's type two. So we have type three. Type three is um, infibulation. So I forgot to mention that type one, well, based on my own experience with people that actually subject their children to FGM or people that believe in FGM, I feel like in our own locality, I can speak for Quara State anyway. So clitoridectum, which is a type one, seem like the most common type. So that seemed like the most common type in um, this part of the world. So type three now, infibulation, which is narrowing of the vagina orifice with a covering. Some of them cover the liber minora to um, narrow the vagina orifice. Everything is centered on cultural belief that the girl child shouldn't be sexually active until she's married. And even when she's married, she still needs to be subjected to her husband's wish and all that. So narrowing the vaginal orifice makes it difficult for sexual intercourse. And that is the type three. Type three seems like the most dangerous type. So we have type four. Type four are just all other harmful procedures, all other ones that we can think of as incision, scraping. Some people scrape the clitoris. The whole outer part of the female genitalia. So um, we also have scraping, okay, piercing, pricking, and so on. So that is what WHO classifies under the type form. Yeah, I hope I've been able to break it down a bit. Actually, you have done more than break it down. Thank you so very much. And so that takes me to medical implications. What is the medical implication of them cutting off the clitoris? Because I know a woman's clitoris is like a man's gland. That's why you have the nerve endings from the nerves running through the vaginal walls and the whole nerves around that axis, right? You have most of their finishing at the clitoris. When they cut it off, what is the sexual implication? What's the medical implication? For the ones where they have to narrow down the vaginal orifice, what's the medical implication on the woman? Okay, so we have a lot of effects. In fact, there are no benefits, like we've said while defining it. There are no benefits, so we have a wide range of effects of this harmful practice. So let me put it as harmful practice so that it will keep ringing on our head that it has no meaning and there is absolutely no need for going into such. So we can say some immediate effects on the girl child is severe pain. There can be extreme pain because most of them practice without the use of anesthetics. Yeah, so let me quickly branch to even if it is practiced in the hospital, it is still an harmful practice. 
So as I explain further, we're going to get why um, WHO has seen it as an approved practice, irrespective of where it is practiced. Also, the girl child uh, is at risk of bleeding. Yeah, she's at risk of having hemorrhage, which is called bleeding. Um, we also have other infections that can come in because commonly it is actually practiced outside the hospital. It is practiced outside the hospital because FGM is punishable under the law. A lot of people might not know that it is punishable under the law. So I think that's why the hospitals, especially government-owned hospitals or accredited hospitals, won't want to drag their names in the mud. So it is practiced locally at home by older people in the community, older females, older men and all that. So the females help to hold the child. Then the men perform the procedure, mostly all um, traditional birth attendants. So we can imagine the kind of pain they're subjecting the girl child to. Um, also, it can lead to infections such as tetanus because of the shared instruments and all that. So we can also think of, and the fact that rural areas, they're not always vaccinated. And tetanus is a deadly disease. So we can think of um, other infections like hepatitis. Because these instruments are not even sterilized. They are not sterilized. They can select 10 girls and that, okay, they are of this age and they are ready to be circumcised. Let me use the word circumcised so that we can understand. And then use the same instrument for 10 children. So we can imagine um, how quickly we are spreading infections such as hepatitis. Also HIV, yes, which is very common. Also, this procedure can tamper with the urethra, which is the urinary tract of the female child because of the close proximity of the urethra orifice. That's where we urinate, of course, and the vaginal orifice. They are very close in the female genital area. So it can lead to urine retention. It can lead to spread of infection because if the, the vagina is infected, the urethra is also at risk of getting the infection because of the close proximity. So we can think of um, injury to adjacent tissues, UTI, they keep having, you just see that this girl child keep having UTI, urinary tract infection. And urinary tract infection can be as deadly, if, especially when it is not attended to immediately. Okay, so those are the major um, common immediate medical effect also we can talk about um okay you asked of medical effect so maybe i should just stop at medical effects for now so we also have obstetric effects like when the child is grown up and she wants to start having children she could have a painful delivery she could have an obstructed labor delayed fetal passage that's the, the newborn will not be able to pass through the orifice because this opening has been tampered with already. Also, there's increased risk of fistula. You know, no wonder these children that are in the rural setting often come up with fistula whenever they want to deliver. Um, not ruling aside teenage pregnancy, of course. Also, delayed hospital stay after delivery. Most of the girl child have been subjected to FGM in their early years. They stay longer in the hospital compared to those ones that had no experience of FGM in their earlier years. So, yes. sorry, so sorry to slow you down a bit. You mentioned fistula. Yes. Please expatiate on it. What does it mean? Okay, um, fistula is like an abnormal opening. So mostly there are different types, but um, let me try to bring it down to our own English that we'll understand. 
that's like um an opening yes you know the urethra and the vagina is closely structured and the anus so most times when there is a fistula the way i can explain it is when there's a fistula then um the girl child can pass feces from the vagina orifice do we understand now then she can also pass urine from the vagina orifice it means where there shouldn't be a connection there is already a connection because of wow wow so that means there can be transfer of infections so normally you tell an average lady don't wash your vagina from the back forward because you don't want any feces to get into your vagina however this time around it could happen even by itself whether you wash or not yes is there a way is there a medical way to um, fix that yes surgeries can be done to fix it so so now that's extra cost that's serious extra cost yes it's a serious issue on its own wow so mostly okay, it so- happens when you're about fever yeah, and it's also common with teenage um pregnancy and all that okay, okay. so what we, are, what we are saying is one of the ways fgm affects our relationship is that fgm might actually make us spend more time in the hospitals with our romantic partner so you're in love with this woman who has been a victim of fgm and then you find out she's constantly sick and going in the hospital or you have a colleague your friend or your best friend and she's constantly going to the hospital for one kind of vagina infection or the other it becomes important that you're asking questions hey babe what's up like has fgm ever been a thing for you because you might actually just think oh this person is dirty or this person is not taking care of themselves that's why they're getting constantly infected and you don't understand that they've tampered with their biology as growing kids wow thank you so much for expatiating on that go ahead please yeah are you there yes you wanted to say something so i said please go ahead i wanted to move on to how fgm can affect um sexual relationship by all means please do i love that okay so um mostly after subjecting the child to of course most of the people are related with asking them why they want their girl child to do FGM. Their first answer is that to reduce the level of promiscuity, just like you mentioned while you introduced the topic. So then it makes sex really painful for the girl child. In fact, so many people eventually when they're married, even when they're married, they don't want to um, be involved in such acts. They really despise sex a lot. And that, we can imagine how it can affect the marriage itself. So on the long run, FGM can increase the rate of divorce. These are the long-term effects. It can also increase the rate of abandonment because the guy would eventually feel like, okay, since this woman is not interested in sex every time, then I might need to look out. So the whole goal to keep a marriage is not even coming up. That's to show us there's absolutely no reason to be involved in female genital mutilation. So it gives the woman poor sex satisfaction also because most of the time the sensitive part is being tampered with. So she's not even feeling anything. She just feels like, what is sex for? Then the painful aspect is also very common with infibulation, the type 3 that I explained earlier. So most of these people who have undergone that kind of type of FGM, they eventually need to reopen the vaginal orifice when they are married. So we can imagine the trauma that all these procedures are giving the girl child when you need to still undergo reopening of the vagina because like I explained earlier, the 
vaginal orifice is being covered, like it's being reduced. So they need to open it again. When they feel like the lady is married and she should start um, having sexual intercourse. So this is traumatic and makes the girl child sexual life zero. Then uh, we can also talk about the effect on our psychology. The psychological effect is a lot. Girl wow. Like, like you mentioned a whole lot regarding just the sexual aspect. You know, there was a particular study on a particular culture that after doing type 3 FGM on their girls, they expect the husband to use his penis to break through the vagina, to break through what they've sown. So the fear alone. But then I had a question in mind for you when you were explaining the sexual aspect. Considering the fact that they cut some places, they stitch some places, the vagina is naturally elastic. When they cut and stitch, does it tamper with the natural elasticity of the vagina? Yes, it does. And that, that means when the woman has bed, her vagina is just loose. It doesn't go back. That's why they say, okay, that sexual intercourse doesn't affect how loose the vagina is, but vagina delivery does. But then, it's not like it's loose-loose. So it's an elastic um, layer, like you said. You understand? So it's coming back, but it can't come back to the original elasticity. It's just like when you have a rubber. A no, band. no. My my question, then my you... question is towards the FGM. Naturally, when women okay. give birth, it gets loose, but it's still tight enough for just the penis, right? Because of yes, its natural exactly. elasticity. Yeah. But when they do FGM and they cut yeah. some places and stitch some places, does it affect that natural elasticity? Does the vagina go back after childbirth? Does it go back after intercourse? Does it tighten up a bit, or does it just stay that way? Well, it's tightened up a bit because um, the procedure is reducing the vagina orifice. Do you understand? It's getting it smaller, not larger. So it's as tampered with it with the natural structure of the vagina. Have I answered your question? Yes, please. Thank you very much. So you are going to talk about the psychological aspect. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so one of the psychological effects is the trauma. Most of them have post-traumatic stress disorder because they keep on remembering what has happened, the kind of pain they were subjected to then, and they don't want anything to go near their vagina. So they are always scared whenever things like that wants to happen, and they can come up with any other symptom of um, PTSD. So we also have um, the old anxiety. Some of them get really anxious, while some of them get really depressed. When you're talking about anything related to their um, vagina, then we can also liken their PTSD to the kind of PTSD a child face in future when she has been subjected to sexual abuse. So according to WHO, they're liking that kind of experience together. So we can imagine the old traumatic effect. There's some, um, some, okay, I said some get depressed. Then we have low self-esteem. Low self-esteem sets in when they can't even, they feel like they're the one affecting their marriage. Yeah, when they're married now. So they feel like they're the one affecting their marriage, not making it work. And eventually fall into low self-esteem. Reduce social function, like they really feel like they can't relate with other people because they feel they are um, normal structure, their original structure, how God wants them to be, has been tampered with. So the girl child might be withdrawn, might be asocial, 
and might have guilt. Then, you know, when we talk about depression, the feeling of guilt, low self-esteem, then we can't rule out suicidal thoughts. So the list of the psychological effects of female genital mutilation goes on and on. Then we can also relate the psychological effects to the frequent hospital visits, the old infection, um, up with HIV, incurable diseases. Thank you so, so very much, Nurse Victoria. This has been super, super enlightening. I'm sure all the people listening in today will be grateful they listen and now they can articulately explain what FGM is, what the advocacy is about. Because a lot of people do not understand why we keep advocating no FGM, why we keep saying, oh, FGM is not female circumcision. It is not circumcision. People like to say it is circumcision because that's how it was introduced to us culturally. But it has no medical benefits as opposed to male circumcision that helps a man keep safe um keep himself from getting infected by things such as hiv because now he's cleaner all right there is no medical benefits there is no medical support for why we should practice fgm and if you're a woman who has been affected by female genital mutilation you've been circumcised against your will it was done whether as a child or it was done as a rite of passage to teenagehood we would love to talk to you i promise you it will be anonymous all you have to do is send us a message at richlizaexpress at gmail.com richlizaexpress at gmail.com or better still chat with us on whatsapp at plus two three four or 9038685928. Thank you so very much. Of course, we have stories at stories.lisaexpress.com. People who have shared their abuse stories with us, people who have gone through grief, people who are fighting to build themselves a career, build themselves businesses, build themselves, work on projects, things that are bigger than them. People who have had to walk through being fatherless, people who have had to grow up from whatever situation they've come out of. We like to celebrate them and we call it share your story. So if you're someone who has been sexually abused or you've been mutilated against your will and you would like to put your story out there anonymously or with your name on it, we will absolutely love to share your story. We are also working on ways to help you experience better sex as someone who has been mutilated genitally or you have someone who is dating a woman who has experienced female genital mutilation. We're working on ways and techniques in which you can experience better sex. Until next time, see you all. Thank you so very much, Nurse Victoria. It has been my pleasure to host you. Bye.